The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Good afternoon and welcome to Exploring the Word. I'm Jim Stanley in for Brother Bert Harper. And Brother Bert uh, texted him, to, he texted me today and we were talking about the National Day of Prayer tomorrow. And so I want to remind you folks that that is tomorrow. And in uh, kind of in honor of that, I was going to chat with Alex about this. Um, we're going to have Jim Bolthouse from the presidential prayer team. Amen. Uh, he's going to be on with us first part of the program. And then I thought we'd open the phone lines tomorrow afternoon for prayer requests and also several prayers. Well, Jim, that sounds good to me, brother. And, uh, you know, National Day of Prayer is always a very special day. And we've had a wonderful relationship with the presidential prayer team. And it's always encouraging to know that people are agreeing together in prayer. And folks, uh, when uh, the Bible says that God's people who are called by his name, this is Second Chronicles 7.14, uh, we confess our sins, we turn to the Lord, then he will hear from heaven, forgive our sins, and heal our land. And we, we certainly need that. And Jim, you know, I I know that promise in Second Chronicles 7.14 was originally written to ancient Israel. I'm mm-hmm. aware of that. But I still believe when Christians link arms and our hearts are unified and we cry out to God, I still believe that that yields great, great results. Oh, absolutely. I mean, as you think that through, we think of the New Testament scriptures where we're promised where two or three are gathered together in his name and we ask for things. Think of think of how many more than just two or three will be gathered across the country tomorrow at noon, and that is noon their time. But in, in the central states here, there are a lot of folks in the central time zone. And imagine those as they gather for prayer. The eastern time zone, as they gather for prayer there in the nation's capital and other capitals around the the country as well. And, you know, I I know I'm going to leave somebody out, Pacific time zone, mountain zone. So throughout the day, I guess is my point, that there are going to be people united in prayer for our country to, to come back to Christ, for revival to take place so that we may worship, continue to worship him openly and, and all times. Amen. Amen. Um, well, and, you know, Jim, the... Uh, you may know some more breaking news than than I know, but with the issue of Roe versus Wade in the Supreme Court, um, and this might be, you know, the first of a number of needed steps to turn our country back to moral ground mm-hmm. and truth. Uh, but we know these victories come about through prayer, because as the Bible says, uh, you know, we don't wage warfare with uh, human weapons, but for the Christian life and the church in every generation, we are to uh, move forward on our knees. It is spiritual warfare, and I thank God that he is still in the business of answering prayer and changing lives. And uh, speaking of lives change, we're in Galatians, by the way, folks, if you want to turn to the New Testament book of Galatians, we are talking about grace and salvation through grace. And ultimately, Jim, it is the gospel of Jesus that's the only thing that can really change a human life, isn't it? Yes, sir. Uh, and, you know, it's um, where we are here in Galatians, the fourth chapter. 
talks about that change and the cost of that change, but also the promise of the reward from that change. Amen. Amen. You know, um, I used to have a gospel tract I would buy and I'd give out. And at the front of the gospel tract, Jim, it said, what you miss by being a Christian. And you open it up and it said, hell. Mm. And then there was more verbiage in there about how uh, not only does Christ forgive our sins and save us to take us to heaven, but you know what? And I'm, I'm going to say this, at least in my case. The good Lord, when he not only forgives our sin, writes our name in the Lamb's Book of Life, fills us with the Holy Spirit, we're saved, we're sealed, but he saves us from ourself. You know, Jim, I thank God that the Lord Jesus loved me enough back there at age 21 that I, not only did I get saved and I'm bound for heaven, all glory to Jesus, but I look back and I, I shudder to think what my life would have been if Alex had made all the decisions. And see, one of the, one of the wonderful things, folks, if you've never come to Christ, obviously uh, salvation is about being prepared for eternity. You put your faith in Jesus and you're ready whenever you leave this world, however that might happen, but you're ready to be with the Lord forever. But I want to tell you, one of the greatest benefits of being a Christian is the journey with Jesus down here. And Jim, um, that that's just one of those things. When I was 21, all I was thinking about was I didn't want to go to hell. Mm. I did want to go to heaven whenever I died. But I want to say 30 years of being a believer, walking with Jesus— and knowing his guidance, his plan for my life, his presence, his sustenance is with you every hour of every day. That's the blessing of being one of his followers, isn't it? Yes, sir. And um, I, it's something that I'm, I'm reminded of daily, how fortunate it is because of the background of my family and whatnot. You know, it, it's made such a difference in my life personally um and i'm i'm waiting for the promise of of things uh where proverbs talks about training up a child in the way they should go and when they're old they won't depart from it yes well i'm i'm waiting on that promise to to come full circle uh well amen and so that but it's because of of the studies just like in uh galatians here it where Pardon me. Where we're talking about there, tell me in verse 21, Mm -hmm. tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Adam had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he was of the free woman through promise which things are symbolic for these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar for this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all for it is written, rejoice, O barren you who do not bear break forth and shout you who are in, uh, not in labor, for the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. And we see that, and when we see that picture painted, we know that it's talking about us being the bride of Christ and Christ himself being the bridegroom. Mm. 
This is so powerful, Jim. I'm so glad you're bringing this up because um, just like, let's say you hear the gospel and somebody says, okay, Jesus paid it all. Put your faith in Jesus and you can be saved. Somebody else says, well, look, I try to be a good person. I try to keep the Ten Commandments, and I'm, I'm, I'm about as good as anybody else, and I, I guess if there is a God, I'll just take my chances. Listen, that's like um, salvation versus lostness, grace versus works. Just like, you know, there was Cain and Abel, and Abel brought a good sacrifice in obedience and trust to God. Cain was angry because he uh, brought a... Uh, a disobedient sacrifice. You've got here in this the the child of the bondwoman and the child of the free woman. This is Ishmael and Isaac. Mm-hmm. Remember, Ishmael was the child of Abraham and Hagar, and then Isaac was the child of Abraham and Sarah. God said, "Look, Abraham, I'm going to send you an heir. You you might be past childbearing years, you and your wife, but I'm going to send a, a child of promise." And of course, folks. It was through the lineage of Isaac, ultimately, that Jesus would be born. But Hagar and Ishmael, the bondwoman, represents human effort, human works, which is not of the promise. And just, Jim, there's so many uh, contrasts, Saul and David, you know, the flesh versus uh, obedience. And so here's the thing. Paul, I think, is laying these things out because, for one thing, his readers would have been instantly familiar with all of these Old Testament persons. And Paul is trying to say, look, it is not of works. Uh, If you want to be under the law, well, you're not under the promise, because the promise of the new covenant, it's about grace. It's the grace of God. And, you know, it references in verse 25 of Galatians chapter 4, for this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and corresponds to Jerusalem, but if you want to be part of the free Jerusalem, you need to be under grace. Mm -hmm. Jim, have you ever noticed how much mountains uh, are relevant to the great gospel story? There's Mount Sinai, Mm -hmm. then there's Mount Moriah, and there's Mount Calvary, which is really on the mountains of Moriah, where Abraham obediently was going to sacrifice Isaac. But there's also the Mount of Olives, and friend, that's where Jesus is going to return. If you're standing on Mount Sinai, in other words, if you're trusting in your good works, you better come on over to Mount Calvary, where Jesus did the work. Mm -hmm. And so um, everybody, depending on whether or not they put their trust in Jesus, they're standing on one of two mountains right now. Now, there's a third mountain, and let me say this, I'll throw it back to you, the Mount of Olives, where Christ is going to step down when he returns, and we'll meet him there if you're a believer. But... This uh, Galatians 4, 21 and following, beautiful language where Paul's readers would have understood he was saying, don't be under the bondage of the law and under the bondwoman of flesh. Come on over to trust and faith in the child of promise from the lineage of Isaac through King David. It's that promised child, Jesus, who was our Savior. Mm. Amen. Well, folks, this is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Jim Stanley with Dr. Alex McFarland. I want to remind folks again that tomorrow is the National Day of Prayer. And as you pray, pray for us here at AFA. Uh, You folks know we have a lot going on. Uh, We have a radio ministry. We have a, a film ministry through American Family Studios. We have a news ministry through American Family News. 
but we also have a marriage family life ministry. And we have a conference coming up there July 7th through July 9th. And you can register at marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net. You can go there and register for the adults at $70 per person, children $35 per child, ages 4 through 17. And again, if you want more information on that, marriagefamilylife.net. Will and Miki Addison will be your host for the event, and there will be other staff members there as well. And so um, I I just wanted to put that out there because it is a ministry of AFA, and we haven't talked a lot about it. We need to get Will or Mickey on with us one day uh, to share a little bit more about that. Uh, Both of them are able ministers of the gospel, and and they're just good people all the way around. And so just wanted to remind you folks about that. Now, Alex, uh, before we go to break, you also have a conference coming up. Well, God bless you. Hey, by the way, Jim, I was just, uh, Jonathan Coker sent out a list of uh, our various broadcasts, and airing the Addisons with Will and Mickey is always up there. I've got Will and Mickey speaking at our summer camp, which is almost full, but there's still maybe a few slots left, July 17th through 22nd, our biblical worldview camp for middle school and high schoolers. And um, then I'm, I'm going to be at the Cove with a big conference on First Peter, and that's for all ages. Uh, July 8 through 10. So go to my website, alexmcfarland.com. There you go. Folks, stick around. We'll continue in Galatians, the fourth chapter, as Exploring the Word continues on American Family Radio. This is Pause to Pray. A chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Craig Middlebrook, Deputy Administrator at the Department of Transportation. His office promotes international trade via the St. Lawrence Seaway. Leviticus 25.14 reminds us of the importance of fair trade. And if you make a sale to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor, you shall not wrong one another. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Craig Middlebrook as he promotes trade through international waterways. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country. And we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. Doctors follow an age-old method for diagnosing disease. They check for the symptoms. Dr. Tony Evans says we should do the same when it comes to problems that can separate us from God. He'll help us check for a dangerous one today as we spend two minutes with Tony. We are greedy when we complain more than we give thanks. We are greedy when we're more concerned about our cash than our character. We are greedy when your financial life is going up, but your spiritual life is going down. We are driven by greed when we treat people with money better than we treat people without it. We are greedy when we crave and plot to possess what legitimately belongs to somebody else. It's called covetousness. Money is the leading counterfeit God of our culture. 
not because money is wrong or bad, it's not, but because when the wrong motivation sets in, people hurt each other, people damage themselves. So this is a big deal and God called it an idol, something to be worshiped instead of him. When we become greedy, then we have set up an idol. And when we set up that idol, God will attack an idol. If you don't destroy it, he'll help a brother out. He'll HBO you. He will attack an idol in one way or another, all idols. Learn to identify the items and ideas that try to take God's place in your life. Check out Tony's CD series, American Idols, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. Psalm 14, verse 2. American Family Radio. Word of God speak. Welcome back. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I'm finding myself in the midst of you. Good afternoon. I'm Jim Stanley in for Brother Bert Harper. The other voice you'll hear in just a moment is that of Dr. Alex McFarland. And we together are in the fourth chapter of Galatians, and we're at verse 28. Uh, Alex, and, you know, we kind of got right after it today, didn't we? Well, we really did. We really did. And, you know, um, this is just one of those things. I mean, just think, Jim, in 10 short verses, uh, Galatians 4, 21 through 31, I mean, there's just a volume of gospel truth in here, the great big salvation story. And do you know, it goes on and it says, Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh, then persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, even so it is now. Now, let me say this, talking about how we, we mentioned Ishmael and Isaac, Cain and Abel, it goes on to this day. Um, I don't have time to fully unpack Galatians 4.29, but you think about this. The the Palestinian Arabs that are very anti-Semitic and persecute the nation of Israel, the religious leaders of old that persecuted the church, and even today. Uh, Jim, I was just texting back and forth with our, our mutual friend Frank Turek. Mm. Brilliant, brilliant. One of in my opinion, one of the most brilliant thinkers on the scene today. And we were talking about how the, the tolerant left cannot tolerate voices of morality and truth, and they, rather than make good logical arguments, just uh, engage in shouting and worse. But the ones who are under the flesh persecute those who are under the Spirit. Now, I, I don't say this to pat ourselves on the back, because let's remember that if we're of the Spirit, and we're born-again Christians, and we, we've put our faith in Jesus. We take no credit in that. And when we say things that are of biblical truth, like Christ is the one and only Savior, and biblical morality is, is the boundary that we all have to acknowledge, we don't say that arrogantly, and we're not trying to be haughty, because we know that we, we, we didn't save ourselves. And this gospel message is not of human origin. But, Jim, 
it, it's it's been this way from time immemorial. There are those who know God, and there are those who need God. There are those that trust in the Lord, and then there are those that don't, and they resent that. And when Paul says the the the, the people of the flesh persecute those of the spirit, I, I think we've seen this throughout all of history. Amen. Um, it it is one of those things, and you're right. We don't want to become puffed up about it. Uh, because if we do, somebody's going to be right there to prick that balloon and let the air out for us. Right, um, exactly. And so we want to be very careful about that. Hey, let me give you the phone number because it looks like we're going to finish here in Galatians 4. And uh, we're going to go ahead and get the the phone number started. And folks, you can start queuing your calls up at 888 589 8840 is the number to call, and we'll begin taking your phone calls in just a few minutes. Uh, but first, we we don't want to leave anything out here. And right. Alex, I think you had gotten to verse 30, mm-hmm. and the Scripture says, Nevertheless, what does the Scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free of the free woman. And then verse 31, and, and I think this is a, a crucial verse for us today. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. And then mm. tomorrow, or pardon me, Monday, um, you and Bert will get into chapter 5, and right. y'all are going to talk some about the Christian liberty. But there, mm. in those last couple of verses, brother, unpack that a little bit. Well, this takes us all the way back to Genesis 21. Isaac is born, which was a miracle. Uh, because Abraham and Sarah were, were very elderly, but Isaac was born, and Hagar and Ishmael um, left and, and were put out. Now, to this day, and, and I've been very blessed to know many born-again Muslim people who have come to Christ, but the children of Ishmael to this day have resented and persecuted the children of Isaac. And uh, so it says, nevertheless, what does the Scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. Uh, free woman. So if you're a Christian, you may not know this, but you're, you're a child of Isaac, in a way. You're, you're under the lineage of the, the child of promise that Abraham and Sarah had to believe by faith, and ultimately through the lineage of Isaac. Uh, Jesus would be born. But if you're trying to get to heaven on your good works, well, you're like a child of the the, the bondwoman Hagar, and that's not salvation. Um, and in fact, if we could have worked our way to heaven and somehow atoned for our sin, which we couldn't do, but Jesus wouldn't have had to die on the cross. But verse 31 says, So then, brethren, and, and Paul calls these people brethren, but they had lapsed a little bit in judgment here and trying to reinstate the law. But he says, So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Now, Jim, uh, isn't it liberating to know that we are free in Christ? And just like, you know, Galatians 5, which we're not going to go there today, uh, Bert and I can pick that up. But in Romans, like Romans 5, after talking about Abraham and faith, Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 1, There is therefore now no condemnation 
to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh. Paul says a lot about that, but walk according to the Spirit. Jim, in Jesus, honestly, we are set free. Mm. Amen. And the blood that paid that price for our freedom, I think, is one of the things that we should never forget Mm. um, because it did pay for the grace that we enjoy today. You know, even when you look at the disciples' prayer, and I say the disciples' prayer because it was the um, it was the model prayer, if you will, because I think the Lord's prayer was actually later, where He prayed for the disciples then and now, and so uh, we see that and we see the graciousness of God throughout that. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go to the phone lines, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk to Mary calling from Kansas. And Alex, I think this one's going to be right up your alley, brother. Mary, good afternoon. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, thank you. My knowledge is like a teardrop to you guys' river flowing of all the knowledge. of Wow. Well, I don't know about that. (laughs) My program that I listen to faithfully is Dr. David Jeremiah, which airs on American Family Radio twice daily. He's in Revelation right now where he's going over it, but he's brought it up to modern times so you can understand it. Then he goes and shows you where it's at in the Bible. And on chapter 12, they talk about the the woman having birth pains, and which was actually, if I'm wrong, you correct me, is actually the country of Israel. And the baby is Jesus being born to come to earth to save us. And it, it just hit me this morning at 5.30 in the morning that maybe that's why... The Democrats are trying so hard to have so many abortions. They're trying to keep Christians from being born. They couldn't stop Jesus, and they couldn't keep him in the grave. He arose, even if they're wiping out some of the people that might have been on their side. I just feel like they're possessed of trying to get rid of babies because they couldn't. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Mm. Well, let, let me just say this, and first of all, thanks for listening, and I, I give you a big amen on Brother David Jeremiah. I love to listen to him as well. But, um, Jim, I, I referenced this maybe a year ago. I've got a, a book by a sociologist named David Goldberg called uh, How Civilizations Die, and it's not a Christian book per se, but um, it is a commentary on America and the West and how uh, really— Abortion has cost so many millions of lives. And folks, you got to understand, I mean, it's one thing when we preachers say, look, we need a move of God. But let me tell you who's worried about America right now, historians and sociologists. I mean, they really are, because a lot of these people, even many of whom are not necessarily believers, but they understood that our, our representative republic worked. We had liberty stability, prosperity, liberty, stability, prosperity, because of our moral foundation. And in in this book by David Goldberg, How Civilizations Die, he talks about the fact that um, in America, the, the people most likely to have children and raise them in a stable, loving, two parent family are a demographic called evangelical Christians. Now, I'm going to get to your question, but let me just say this. Uh, the birth rate, I don't know if you all know this, but I just read this statistic, Jim, that the birth rate in 2021 was the lowest in our nation's history, 243 or 44 years. 
And um, the Bible says children are an heritage from the Lord to be valued. And um, whether or not the left has intentionally tried to cut the birth rate of Christians, I don't know. But I'm going to summarize, and I want your, your point, Jim Stanley. Here's the thing, folks. Listen to this. And I think I message this. I say this to teenagers every single week of the year. If you want to honor God, be very happy and fulfilled, probably be financially prosperous, healthier. There's so many matrix that I can point to the benefits of this. If you want everything that the human heart wants, then become a champion for family. Mm. I, I mean, really. And plus, if, if you want to serve the Lord, save the country, and be personally fulfilled, be a champion for family. And it happened in the first century. Um, many people have documented the way that the church... Now, it took about 50 to 100 years to really get things rolling, but the way the church turned the Roman Empire upside down, yes, the gospel is true. The tomb is empty. Of course, it was the message of the gospel. But, Jim, how the church really went from a dozen frightened apostles to turning Rome upside down, it was because the Christians built families. Amen. It's a great point. And one of the main detriments of our country today, and I dare say around the world as well, the, one of the main detriments is the children that don't come from a, a full family. Now, let me, let me be very clear about this. There are single moms and dads out there trying to do everything they can for their children. I mean, absolutely everything they can. And sure. we want to encourage them. We, want, we as the body of Christ should be helping them. But if there is not a full family, then the children are looking elsewhere sometimes for answers that they should get at home, and that can lead us down the path that's not that great. Let's talk to Jason now from Louisiana. Jason, good afternoon, and welcome to Exploring the Word. Hi, uh, me? Yes, sir. Uh, (laughs) uh, Actually, uh... I was waiting on to talk to y'all, and I, the the word of the Lord came to me with regard to answering my question. It's basically about the when Hagar had the had Ishmael and and Sarah had Isaac. It seemed like they were because they were treated they were treated differently because of where they came from. Like Ishmael was sent off to go live in in wherever he was, and then then. Uh, Isaac was was blessed, and I, it made me think about having children out of wedlock, and 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 because uh, I'm in a situation where I've got two children out of wedlock, and I have one child within the confines of matrimony, and uh, I'm wondering. I was I was I was thinking about is it going to be harder for for my girls to to uh, if they're going to have more difficulty than my son will because because of that. And then the answer came to me is, no, they won't. They're his children. So anyway, anyway. I'm... Well, that was, and Jason, that was going to be my question to you, was are you going to be a father to those girls? Oh, I am a father to those girls and my son. And okay. I'm, I'm actually in, uh, I'm not living with them. I'm, the, I'm uh, 
they're with their mo- their respective mothers, mm-hmm. and uh, but I just but I'm I'm the one that gives them their their I'm the one that takes them to church. I'm the one that they don't have it any other at, at any other time. So okay, and so, so you're going to be yeah. you're going to be a father to those children. You're raising them in a godly fashion. You're going to expose them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Is all this fair? That is all. That's that's all fair. That's all exactly what's happening. Okay. So in that case, I will tell you the only limitations on your children are as if they turn their backs on Christ. Uh, because And Alex, please feel free to correct me if I'm wrong on this. While we do want... All, as many children as possible to be born in wedlock, we want every child to be loved. We want every child to come to know Christ. And I think that's one of the big things that's going on in the news right now with Roe versus Wade is that we want every child born. Amen. Amen. And you, you know, you mentioned um, Sarah and Hagar. If you read in Genesis 16, you know, um, Sarah told Abraham, "Okay, I'm old, and God's promised us a child, so we better we better uh, take the bull by the horns and make this thing happen. You go impregnate Hagar, which Abraham did. But then, of all things, if you read in Genesis 16, that Sarah was jealous and resented, and uh, drove her out. And it's interesting in verse six of Genesis 16, Hagar fled from Sarah's presence. It's almost like that she feared for her life. Um, while I understand it was Isaac, not Ishmael, Hagar and Ishmael didn't have to be driven away. They could have loved them and cared for mm-hmm. them, but they didn't. All right, Jason, thanks for the call this afternoon. Carrie will be coming to you, and then we're going to talk to Patrick and Billy and a couple of other folks as Exploring the Word continues on AFR. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA believes that all men and women, whether in private or public, should be free to exercise their faith without hindrance from the government. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. Hello, I'm Don Hawkins, here to tell you about Encouragement Live, 55 minutes of industrial strength radio encouragement featuring resourceful guests plus practical biblical insights to help you face life's challenges. We'll be taking your phone calls, so plan to join us for Encouragement Live, Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central, 8.05 p.m. Eastern, here on American Family Radio. My father, your great-grandfather, fought in World War II. Really? He was a gunner on the big ship out in the Pacific Ocean. Wow. Your great-grandmother did her part, too. Was she on a ship? Oh, no. She stayed back home. She and a lot of her friends worked really hard in a factory because the men had gone off to war. And they held scrap metal drives to help in the war effort. The folks back home were heroes, too. Here at the American Family Association, we consider you the heroes back home. As you fulfill your responsibility of caring for your family day to day, your partnership with us is crucial as we fight the enemies of freedom in America. 
Thank you for your commitment to the American Family Association. Grandpa, what's a scrap metal drive? Let's get some cookies and I'll tell you all about it. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. When the Spirit of God penned those words through Apostle Peter, he meant every bit of them. Christ's following is distinct from the world. Christ's followers must look different from the world. We shouldn't be surprised then when the world does not understand us and demonizes our faith. Jesus said, the student is not above the teacher. The world hated Jesus. We mustn't be surprised when the world hates us. We are called to be peculiar. Understand it. Embrace it. Get comfortable with it. Get used to it. We are in the world, but not of the world. Stay peculiar, my friends. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. We believe in the Holy Spirit and He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. Man, that's a great song. Uh, I believe that one's from the Newsboys, and we believe. And uh, that it's just an excellent representation, and I think they're taking it from the uh, apostolic creed. So, Amen. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Jim Stanley here, Alex McFarland there, and Alex is at home this week for most of the week, uh, and so uh, it's I'm not having to ask him where he's at. But I'm I know just that loafing. That I know those of you that play Alex McFarland bingo, uh, <laughs> you want to you want to see if you can fill up that home row. So there's a free space for you today. All right, <laughs> let's go to Carrie in Mississippi. Carrie. Good afternoon, and welcome to Exploring the hey, Word. how are y'all doing today? Doing well. Good. Good. Um, I have a question I've always wanted to kind of ask you, Alex. I feel like you'd have a good uh, perspective or a good answer for me. Um, I have some friends that go to an apostolic church and everything, and um, they speak in tongues, you know, all day long, whatever, and whatnot. And that's like a two-part question. Um, I'm going to ask you and then hang up so I can hear your answer. First part is, they say you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus specifically, not the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Um, So I was wondering what would be the correct way of getting baptized as far as that goes, you know, in the name of Jesus or in the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. And the second part is, they say you're not saved until you've been filled with the Spirit, which means like being able to speak in tongues. They say you're not saved until you're able to speak in tongues. They say that's evidence. Of course, it is evidence being filled by the Holy Spirit. But they say you're not saved until you're able to do that. And uh, I just wanted to ask you, like, at what point, like, when do you know you're saved? You know, when do you know, you you know what I mean? Because I feel the Spirit always speaking on my heart and speaking in my mind. And Mm. I was just wondering, like, at what point do you know for a fact you're saved? I just want to say God bless AFA. I listen to you guys all day long, and I'm just going to hang up now so I can hear your answer. God bless you. Well, thank you so much for listening, and and let me say how much uh, we thank you that you would trust us with Bible answers like this. It's very humbling, and we take it very seriously. 
But um, let's talk about the first part, uh, the, the, the formula for baptism. You know, you read Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Uh, Jesus said this, and I, I think Jesus would know. He's pretty good authority on this. He says, Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So when you make disciples, somebody prays the sinner's prayer. God, come into my life. I believe in Jesus. Save my soul. Well, baptism, we, we often use the phrase believer's baptism. So baptism shows that you're a believer, just like wearing a wedding ring shows that you're married. Well, if Jesus in Matthew 28, 19 uh, was wrong on the baptismal formula, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, then we got a problem. And obviously he wasn't. Now, if you go over there to Acts 2.38... And I remember, Jim, I well remember about 25 years ago when there was this this Jesus-only movement Mm -hmm. that you couldn't use the name of the Father or the Spirit. Now, Acts 2.38, Peter said, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Now, let let me throw in a couple of things here. In, in your English Bible, in Acts 2.38, you're going to see the word for, F-O-R. In the Greek, that's the word epi, E-P-I, which means upon. So what, what Acts 2.38 is saying, uh, bab- water baptism is not what saves you. Now, I think once you have trusted Christ, you should take that obedient step and be publicly baptized. But Peter was saying, uh, repent, that means turn away from sin, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ upon the remission of sin. Now, so the there were people, and they said, well, why didn't Peter say, in the name of the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Spirit? Well, because the Trinity is undivided. Do you know Amen. you could actually legitimately say, be baptized in the name of the Father. You could say, be baptized in the name of the Spirit. Now, Jesus, in Matthew 28, 19, said, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So... The Jesus-only people, many of them deny the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, or Holy Spirit, whichever you say. Uh, And that really relates to an ancient heresy called modalism, that God operates in different modes. And, And we don't believe that. We believe that God is eternal and unchanging. That's Malachi 3, Hebrews 13. But back to the question of when are you saved, let's look at 1 John 5, 1. It says, whoever believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God is born of God. And you read Acts 16, 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. My friend, uh, and I, I speak not only of how Bert and I and Jim would understand the Bible, but what I'm about to tell you is... Um, you know, what 2,000 years of the greatest church leaders would tell you from Billy Graham all the way back to St. Augustine, you are saved the minute you put your faith in Jesus. Now, what, what are you believing? You're believing that he is the Son of God, as he said, and he died on the cross to fully pay our sins. And when you say, Lord, I believe Jesus is the Savior, he died for me, please save my soul, at that moment, you're saved and you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Now, Jim, feel free to disagree if I'm speaking out of school here. I know there are different 
understandings about how the Spirit of God works in our life, and uh, are we filled once, or are there repeated fillings? But my brother, the, the very instant you put your faith in Jesus and you've trusted Christ, not only are you born again, saved, but you're indwelt by the Spirit at that very moment. And uh, I, I think we're on very, very dangerous ground, Jim, when we add some experience or anything else on top of that. Oh, I absolutely agree. And, and you know my heart there uh, and how important this message is to me. Baptism is important. It has a place. Okay? Baptism of the Holy Spirit is important. It has a place. And then walking in Christ every day and taking up his cross and following him is important. The cross that may be hanging in your church is important. The Bible that you use is important. But here's the thing. We don't worship the baptism. We don't worship the cross. We don't worship the Bible. We worship him of whom the Bible is the living word, being Jesus, him of whom we identify in baptism through the uh, death, resurrection, uh, death on the cross, and then resurrection to new life. These are, these are symbols of how we walk out Christ every day. But the main thing is, is that we know Christ. Now, yes, you can go to heaven without being baptized. Yes, you can go to heaven without speaking in tongues. Yes, you can go to heaven and be baptized. And yes, you can go to heaven and speak in tongues. Amen. That, that's, the, that's one of the things, that, and we talk about this often. We don't want to get into an argument with anyone over these things that are non-essential. And, and that may sound harsh, and I don't mean it to, but any time that you put Jesus and in an equation, that equation is wrong. Mm-hmm. Other wow. than Jesus and Good grace word. or Jesus and blood, those and, and the sacrifice that was made. But if you go and you try and, and put anything else there that's a requirement of your salvation, friends, you need to, you need to pray about that. And Alex, you're, you're absolutely right also. I thought that you would like this because you almost quoted it uh, by, by what he said. Um, I'm using my David Jeremiah study Bible again, and one of the things that he has there is the baptism in the Holy Spirit of mm-hmm. Acts 2, 1 through 21. Mm-hmm. And here's what he had to say. The baptism in Holy Spirit is a universal work of God. Every Christian who has ever been regenerated by the Spirit has been baptized in the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. If someone Mm -hmm. asks you if you have received the baptism and you are a Christian, the answer is yes. Amen. And then he goes on to say, like salvation, it only happens once. So, all right, let's get back to the phones before I make the rest of the listening audience angry this afternoon. Um. I, no, <laughs> you don't think we're, so? we're praising Jesus. That's right. Okay, so um, let's talk to Patrick calling from North Carolina. Patrick, good afternoon, and welcome to Exploring the Word. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, I just want to say how how much uh, great a source of encouragement uh, Exploring the Word is. And uh, my question today is from Exodus chapter four, 
verse 23 through 26. And um, in the King James Version, um, it kind of talks about how the Lord uh, meant to kill the firstborn of Pharaoh. But if you read the NIV, uh, it says the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him due to not circumcising his child. I was wondering just who, who the Lord meant. Mm. Yep. So in Exodus 4, it's um, very interesting. Bert and I taught through this, and we've tried to, um, you know, do it um, faithful to the text and, and delicately. Um, you know, um, Moses was circumcised, and Moses' children. And so uh, what one of the signs of uh, that the Israeli men were believing God's promise and were therefore under this covenant of salvation was circumcision. And in Exodus 4, uh, Zipporah uh, circumcised, circumcised her son. And uh, is this the, the passage, the somewhat amazing passage you're talking about in Exodus 4, like 23 and following? Yes, sir. Yeah. So uh, in verse 23, um, you shall say to Pharaoh, uh, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, indeed, I will kill your son, your firstborn. And so when the death angel passed through Egypt, because the Egyptians did not have the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of their heart, um, you know, the death angel did take the firstborn of every household, including that of, of Pharaoh. But, um, you know, it seems to indicate that it's almost like Zipporah, um, Moses' wife, didn't really understand this. And um, she says, and it's bizarre language in a way, surely you are a husband of blood to me. And so he let him go. Then she said, you are a husband of blood because of the circumcision so it's almost like Zipporah was saying, look, you've brought us here to kill us, and we're going to die. Of course, they, they didn't. So uh, they, they were spared because of the sacrifice. They obediently put the blood over the, the doorposts. Uh, but all the, the firstborn children of the Egyptian households, including that of Pharaoh, their, their child did die when the death angel plague came through. Uh, later on, I mean, it, this was sometime later, but um, you know, I, I, I don't know if I'm getting at what your actual question is, but this is part of what's going on. Hey, Patrick, thanks for the call this afternoon. We sure appreciate it, uh, and appreciate your listening to American Family Radio each day. I'm Jim Stanley, along with Dr. Alex McFarland. I'm in for Brother Bert Harper this week, and we look forward to him being back on Monday. Now, tomorrow we're going to take and we're going to set aside our normal programming for the National Day of Prayer. And so with that in mind, um, I want you folks to, to know that we're going to open the phone lines for prayers. Not, not so many Bible questions perhaps tomorrow, but uh, maybe some prayers and whatnot uh, for the country. So we appreciate uh, your participation in that with us. We're going to have uh, Jim Bolthouse on with us, and he is the um, president of the presidential prayer team. Kind of works out that way. Let's talk to Tom calling from Maryland. Tom, good afternoon, and welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, hey, Bert and Mark. It's a pleasure to talk to you. 
I listen to you often. I can't do it every day, but uh, I love listening. And the caller you had um, regarding the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, it was well explained. But a question that's always been on my heart is in Romans 8.1, uh, it says that, uh, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And yet, in Revelations 3.15, for the church of Laodicea, it says, I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were cold or hot, but because you are not, I will vomit you or spit you out of my mouth. I, I wanted to know what was basically the difference between the two. Mm. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much. And by the way, we've taught through the book of Revelation, and that series is in the AFA store. Uh, and Revelation 3, 14 through 22nd, uh, this... Jim, I don't know that I've ever, in all of my travels, seen a Laodicean church. I've seen a, a an Ephesus church, and I've seen, uh, you know, Bethesda Baptist, and I've even seen a Corinth Baptist church, but I've never seen a Laodicean church, mm. because they got a condemnation. All right, verse 15, I know your works, you're neither hot or cold. This was the dead church, the apathetic church, because you're lukewarm, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Now, let me say this. In Romans 8, 1, it's talking about um, that we are free and forgiven, but that doesn't mean that we can't be backslidden. And that Laodicean church, they were spiritually dead. They might have trusted Christ, and so the favor and the blessing and the uh, preservation of that church, God took it away because they weren't bearing any fruit. All right. Hey, Tom, thanks for the call this afternoon. Guy? And, Michael, we won't be able to get to your calls today, but if you'd like to send us an e email to word at AFR.net, word at AFR.net, we'll be happy to try and help you that way. Hey, Alex, thanks for letting me hang out. God bless you. Folks, we're going to have the National Day of Prayer tomorrow. Join us for this and all the great pro programming on the American Family Radio Network. God bless you. Thanks for listening.